and welcome back to mytenniscoaching.com and YouTube and Facebook and Spotify and everywhere where social media is these days. My name is Steve Whelan, the host and founder over at mytenniscoaching.com. I hope you're all well. Um, a little bit different today. So a couple of days ago, I put out on all my social media channels, ask me anything, ask me any questions about ecological dynamics. And I had quite a few questions come through, which was amazing. So I've just picked 10 questions that I thought uh, had similar themes. I've sort of mixed and matched some of the questions as well using um, using some AI, some chat GPT um, to help me sort of try to just condense quite a few of the questions. So I'm going to talk through the 10 questions today and just give my honest opinion. And I think that's quite important to point out from the start. I am not a expert in this area uh, of ecological dynamics or constraint led coaching. Um, I'm very much still learning my way through it. And I'm just going to talk through my opinion, stuff that I've researched myself, stuff that I've experienced myself. Um, so please um, bear that in mind. Don't start getting the comments saying, well, that's not scientifically correct or that's not true. Uh, it is just my opinion. Um, and hopefully you'll find some value in my opinion and yeah let's get let's let's get to it because we've got 10 questions to get through so question number one i have i've not heard a lot about the ecological dynamics and dynamics and coaching can you break it down for me in simple terms how does it differ from classic coaching methods but the ecological dynamics approach to coaching in simple terms is hands-off approach traditional tennis coaching is hands-on so the tennis coach controls the majority of the session. They make the decisions. They make the choices. They provide the solutions. In the ecological dynamics approach, it's the opposite. The tennis coach creates the problem. The player has to find the solution. The player provides the answers. The coach provides the questions. And the player is very much in charge of their own learning. So it's almost a polar opposite to, to how we traditionally coach in terms of explicit instructions, closed practice drills. And for me, and I've said this many times on these live streams, it's more relatable and it resonates more to me as a coach of tennis. Tennis, there's no guarantee things are going to happen. You don't hit the same ball twice in a row. It's a constantly evolving, dynamic environment to tennis court. That's constantly changing. You have to change and adapt as well. Um, so that's in a nutshell what it is. If you'd like more information about it, definitely type it into Google. There's lots of great webinars and stuff out there as well. Head over to mytenniscoaching.com. Follow me on social media because uh, I'm constantly sort of putting stuff out that, that I'm learning, that I'm researching and I'm talking through as well. But in a nutshell, in the basic, simple terms, it's a hands-off approach to coaching and the player is in charge of their own development. Not So it's player-led, not coach-led. Number two, I'm a bit puzzled by this constraint-led approach. Isn't it just letting the kids do whatever they want on the court? How does it actually help develop their skills? <laughs> it's one that I get hit with quite a lot. And if you listen to my podcast or stream on Tuesday, it's probably the biggest challenge that I have. Oh, you're just playing games. Like, where's the, where's the skill? But well, the great thing about the constraint-led coach is the game teaches the skill. The coach doesn't teach the skill. So within this approach, as a coach, my job is to provide the problem. And how do I provide the problem to players is I set up the practices 
So I'll design the practice where the player will have to solve the problem. So a common one uh, that I've used is the ball has to bounce twice. And I use that one if a player is getting too close to the ball. So most beginners, especially adults, adults run to the ball because in their mind, they're playing tennis. Tennis involves hitting the ball. You've got to get to the ball. So adults get really close and end up jabbing into the ball or, or getting jammed up, I should say, to the ball. So with a lot of adults, I do a lot of two, two bounce tennis. The ball has to bounce twice. And what that's teaching them is give themselves space from the first bounce. Or if it's a bit shorter, getting in closer to the first bounce, but trying to get their body in position of where the second bounce would be. Because that's what we do as players, generally, on a deep ball especially. We're trying to get where the second bounce is because we want to get the ball just at the top of the, the bounce. So I will use a, a constraint like two bounces to develop the skill without telling the player. And what the research I've done and what the science shows us if the player finds the solution themselves, it's a greater and deeper level of learning and understanding. And I make this comparison a lot all the time. It's like if you do a, an exam, if I give you the answers, yes, you have a rough idea and a little bit of knowledge of, of what the exam's about and you know the, the, the correct answers, but you won't fully understand it and you won't be able to fully implement it and adapt it and change it to, to your environment. And we see that a lot with players, don't we? If, if we ask players questions, they will generally just give us what I call the stock answers, answers that the coaches are giving them, like split step. If you ever hear a player, okay, how can you be better? Oh, split step. Get my racket back earlier. And these are just things or golden nuggets, I now call them, that coaches shout out a lot of the time. And players don't fully understand why they split step. But because the coach goes on so much about the split step, then they'll sort of just do it. So how do I develop the, flip, the, the the split step with a constraint-led approach? Well, when I touch the ball, can you fly? Can you get both shoes off the course? Every time I touch the ball, your job is try and fly. Can you get your body off the ground? So I'm, so I'm trying to time it time it with that. Again, I'm just off the fly here, but that, but that's what it is. And it's not, I think it's, it's a common misconception that we're just letting the kids play. To really do this effectively, you really need to understand of, okay, what skill do I want to develop? And how can I manipulate the game to develop that skill? Goes back to that two bounce tennis, uh, that, that, that two bounce tennis drill before. If the player is getting too close to the ball, okay, let it bounce twice. And trust me, if you do play two bounce tennis, you realise that most players don't move before the first bounce, or they run straight into the first bounce. So that's a, that's a quite an easy one to sort of settle around. Question number three: I keep hearing about player-centered coaching. How is focusing on individual players more effective than tied, tried and tested group drills? Just look at a pro game. Djokovic, Nadal, two different players, two different body types, two different personalities, two different um, game styles to a degree. Coco Goff, Emma Raducanu, the exact same, different people. Everyone's individual, everyone's unique. No two forehands are the same, no, no two backhands are the same. So we really have to focus in on, on, on the in individual. And it's it's quite tough because we may coach, I don't know, 60, 70 people per week if you're a really successful and busy coach. Therefore, you, you have to coach 60, 70, 70 individuals. And by making it more personal, one, it gives them more value because it's all about them. Even, even within a group setting, you, you can still individually coach in terms of making the player better. Uh, or developing the individual, but but yeah, but but by like I think I said it on this stream on Tuesday, 
you can't plug and play tennis. You can't just do a drill with one group and then do the same drill with the next group. You have to modify it and change it. And I and I see it a lot as a coach. A coach will be working with under twelves and they'll do the same drill with under eights, but they won't really change it a lot. It'll just be the same drill, be plug and play. It it just doesn't work with that. You 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 might have two under eights, and yes, they're the same age. They're playing the same ball in terms of red, but two different types of people, different personalities, different different body shapes. And even if you have the same player, I think I mentioned this on Tuesday as well. If you have the same player, like I'll coach a player tonight, I'll coach the same player next week, but that's a different player because they may be tired one day completely wired the next day you may be uh, experience a growth spurt today and then next week it, it balances out so even if you're working with the same player every session that you do is always going to be slightly different so we we definitely got to think more about the person and the and the player as an individual and not trying to teach everyone the same way and this got brought up with a conversation i had with a coach um last week and they were saying well if you go to a certain club near near us there's a coach's forehand so at the club it's called x coach's forehand and all his or her player um has the same forehand and it's 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 well known apparently within the club um and i'm like well that that's crazy behavior because like how can how can you teach all these players your forehand but then they all have the same forehand but they're all different individuals it just makes no sense it make it, it it just makes no sense in terms of everyone's different. So why do we teach everyone the same way? It's just to me, it's just old school mentality and may get in trouble saying this, but it's it's easy for the coach that way, isn't it? It's easy for the coach if you just focus on teaching my way rather than actually coaching individuals. It's easier for the coach. So yeah, definitely be more player centered, be less coach centered. You mentioned that the ecological dynamics is a science is science backed. Can you point me at some key studies or evidence that support its effectiveness uh, coaching your players? Uh, I'm not a scientist. I'm definitely not academic. Um, there is some key studies out there. Just quick Google input ecological dynamics um scientific studies you'll bring up a couple there's not a lot to be honest out there and if you're like me when you're reading these scientific uh, papers it, it really hurts my head a little bit um what i will do is point you towards the perception action podcast by rob gray which is amazing and he he talks about most weeks scientific papers in and around this approach it hurts my head a little bit. Rob, if you ever listen to Wendy's, it does hurt my head. Uh, but what I find is myself just understanding snippets and resonating with me, and I'll take it away, and I'll sort of work at it a little bit. Again, because I'm not academic whatsoever. Um, but definitely try and listen to that podcast. He's got some great books out there as well. Um, learn How to Move or Learn to Move is a great book that I'm currently reading at the minute. Please check that out. Uh try and check out the talent Ah, oh, what's the uh, let me just double check on my spotify if i give the wrong name i listen to it every day the talent equation podcast uh which is really good again that talks about this type of approach but multiple different skill uh in sports um but i would definitely point you towards those in terms of the more scientific approach for me how am i confident that that's effective with my players look at my players happier i believe they're developing uh more skill 
there's definitely a wide range of skills being developed rather than the traditional shapes. And I'm happier as well, which which I think is, is key uh, because I mentioned on Tuesday, every session different. So for me, if my players are happy, I'm happy. I think, I believe they're developing better skills. And I'm seeing that on the match court as well. I said, like, we are getting good results on the match court, um, which which is key. And I mentioned on Tuesday, if you didn't see that stream, my players now are competing and I'm seeing less tears and less anxiety and stress because it's just it's just normal. Competition, playing matches is, is now just becoming normal for these players. Um, so for me, that's why I'm confident it works. There is scientific back stuff out there. I do quite a lot of stuff into it, uh, research into it as well. But like I said, some of it hurts my head a little bit. Um, but definitely try to uh, check out the Perception Action podcast. Check out the Talent Equation podcast because um, those two are my sort of go-to um, source of information. I listen to those podcasts most days when I'm driving here and everywhere, Coach Ed or coaching. But yeah, definitely check those those out. Oh, never played centered one. Um, how's it? Uh, I keep hearing about played centered coaching. How is focusing on individual players more effect? Oh, we, we've had that one. Sorry, sorry. I thought I thought I thought I had that one before. Uh, next question: In traditional coaching, we we rely on drills to measure progress. How do you track a player's development in this more fluid ecological approach? Oh, that's a Good question. Uh, yeah, I, I remember putting that one in and like, oh, that, that, that's a tough one to answer. It's tough because previously, and I did a webinar on this a few months back in September when I was just starting this term, I used to use a lot of norm testing. So norm testing would be, okay, forehands cross court in a minute, backhands cross court in a minute, how many serves out of 10 to the backhand corner. Very traditional testing that the LTA used to do. And I know there's still a little element of that within the player pathway of that type of testing as well. And what I've come to realize is it's not real. It's not real. Like in a match, you wouldn't rally cross court for a minute. So is that a true measure of progress? It gives you an understanding of rally tempo and rally threshold and rally accuracy or precision. But is it a true measure? For me at the moment, what am I measuring? I'm measuring my players' happiness levels. Do the players enjoy, enjoy playing tennis? And that's not do they enjoy training, but do they enjoy competing and playing matches? And if they're happy competing and playing matches, then I'm using that as a measure. Obviously, we're looking at the success in terms of, okay, are they getting some results? And when I say results, I don't mean outcome results in terms of ratings and rankings, but are they starting to implement stuff that we're doing in practice within the match play? Am I starting to see what we're practicing so much on the practice court? Am I seeing that in the matches? And that involves me going out to tournaments. That involves me taking time out of my own timetable and going and watch these players compete. And when I see them implementing the stuff we're working on on a match court, then, then I know it's working. A bit like this whole approach. There's no linear, there's no linear benchmark. I can't say, well, we got X amount here and then X amount there no more. I'm just looking at the player individually. Are they happy? Are they transferring the skill onto the match court? And if they're doing those two things, then that's how I measure my success. And also, like I mentioned before as well, me, 
if I'm enjoying working with these players in this way, then that to me, that's a measure of success as well. And as always, there's, there's no right or wrong way to measure it. But they're my things at the moment that I'm measuring. Whereas previously, I'd look at the norms, forehands, backhands, serves. Now I'm sort of moving away into a bit more bit more of the performer, maybe, uh, focused approach in terms of results. Okay, so next question. I'm all for making training fun, but is the ecological approach practical for players who are aiming to compete at higher levels? And this again, this is an interesting one. And I'm guessing this comes from either a player or a coach or a parent who's working with a, a competitive player. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you only have to go to the National Tennis Centre and, and watch some of the, the pro players train. They have fun. Yeah, there's, obviously there's a time to put your game face on and be a bit more serious, but it has to be fun. When you go to work, and obviously whether you're a coach or you work in, a, in an office or or, or or supermarket, it's got to be fun. Obviously, there's there's work to do at that level. If you're if you're playing at a high level, there's work to do, but it's got to be fun. You got to enjoy it. And I think sometimes we we have this misconception of when players get serious, then we take the fun out. And it's got to be drilling and it's got to be intense. That's not fun for me. Um, and I and I think. The word fun gets thrown around quite a lot. Fun to me is, does the player enjoy the process of getting better? And I say to my players all the time, if if you enjoy the process of improvement, then it's fun. And how do I develop the skill of the player? And I think this will in a few moments, but um, even those very high-level players, I still use this approach. At the minute, I'm lucky enough to work with a regional slash pushing onto national level under 10 player. And all we do is this type of coaching. And I know other coaches in and around me, I'm not, I'm not going to sort of name drop here, but I know a lot of our very successful coaches are coaching in a very similar manner to me. Might not be the exact same because great way about this approach. It's all different. Um, but the, the, there's other coaches now working in this in this field who are getting great success. And there's a couple I can think off the top of my head who national champions international juniors and uh, having this ecological hands-off more dynamic approach to coaching um, absolutely it works at all levels oh and just like magic the reason i put these two questions together um does it work so the next question for those listening on spotify is how does it how does the ecological approach work for absolute beginners doesn't it require some basic level of skill to be effective so again a common question that i get given is yeah okay i get the whole dynamic open situation uh to improve skill but surely you need the basics first surely you need to learn the grips and how to swing low to high and knees to trees and all that jazz not really for me i think you can you can pick this up with with tots you can pick this up with adult beginners the players are only going to really develop if you stimulate a wide range of skills and not isolate the skill and I think it was a couple of weeks back when I did the traditional versus the ecological dynamics approach webinar. If you look at it from a traditional skill base, if you close and isolate a skill, you will develop that skill within the isolation. So if that player gets the same ball over and over again, they'll develop the skill to send that ball back. The downside to it is not transferable. So when you bring it into an open situation, those skills don't transfer. 
So why would we develop something, the basics? Why would we develop very isolated, limited skill if they're never going to use it in a tennis environment? And with this approach, people think it's just it's too open, but it's not because you put in the constraints, because you simplify tennis a little bit. It goes back to what I said before about the two-bounce tennis. You bring in two bounces, you bring in multiple touches, you make the game a little bit easier, you may restrict the court size. So mini tennis or LTA youth tennis or tennis tens, that's a constraint-led approach because you're making the court simpler and smaller for the player at the aging stage. So they're beginners. So even with adults, use an orange ball, use a green ball, don't have to use a full brand new yellow ball. Um, but for me, that this works at all ages and stages. And it, it, it annoys me a little bit when we think that we have to teach these these beginners a basic understanding or fundamental level of skill. We we definitely have to get their skill level up quickly, but we but we we shouldn't be taking skill and isolating it and bake, and sort of breaking it apart and then trying to put it back into a into a more dynamic setting. We can definitely develop the beginners within a dynamic setting but we definitely need to make it a bit simpler as well. So, yeah, so whether you're a competitive player or you're a beginner, to me, this is definitely a, a really effective approach. So here's the next one. Tailing your coaching to each player sounds great, but also, like, it could take a lot of time. How do you manage this with a large group of students? I've touched upon this before. So when I plan my group sessions, I have an intent. Okay, what's my theme? So, for example, this week I've been working on making the server weapon. So making the server weapon. And then I will set up a basic practice. So a practice that I've set up this week is, okay, server's going to serve from the service line. And they can serve into the full half court. So you can serve not only in the service box, but between the service line and baseline. So you can really use all that space because I want you to really generate some rack ahead speed and strike the ball. The returner tries to get the ball back and then play the point out. And then what I might do with, with, with the individuals is we just tailor it. We just tailor it and sort of I'll go around and give each player maybe or help each, each player work out something they're going to work on. So a really common thing that I do is I set up the basic practice and I get them all in and say, okay, well, that's 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 what the practice is. That's what I'd like to try and go and explore. Can you each give me one thing that you're going to try? And someone will say, well, I'm going to try and go with spin. Some of them say, I'm going to try and work on the grip. Some of them will say, I'm going to try and hit the ball as hard as I can. Some of them are going to say, I'm going to try and serve to the backhand. And, and whatever the player comes up with, up with, okay, I'll say, okay, we'll go out and explore that. And then when we come back in, let me know how you got on. So again, it goes back to a very much player centre approach. I will almost set up the basic practices. The player will almost come up with their own teaching points. And then I will give the players autonomy to change it. So you don't have to serve from the service line. If you want to go a little bit closer or maybe if you want to go a little bit further back or go wider or it's up to you. So I'll give the player autonomy as well. And that makes my job easier because if I, let's say, on a on a Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, when I'm doing squad work. If I'm working with 16 individuals, I can't do 16 individual teaching points and 16 individual lessons. Um, but again, going back to the player-centered approach, the players can do that. 
the players can come up with it. And then my job then is to go around and, and just make sure that one, what they come up with is relevant to it's challenging them as well. Cause I don't want the player to pick something that's too easy. I don't want the players to pick something that's too difficult. So that, that's the art of coaching and it? it's going around and helping them modify and adapt their own games. And it's it's not a case of again. I, I get hit. The, I get hit with this all the time. We're just setting them up and then taking a step back. I take a step back and let them explore, and then I get in and then help them find solutions. So that's how I manage such a big group of players. And even if I'm working with two individuals, same thing applies. We may have a similar type of practice, but each individual player will take that practice whatever they want to take it. more questions but like uh, i've got two more questions left so in focusing on play and experimentation how do you ensure that players still learn the technical fundamentals of tennis that's interesting because when we talk about fundamentals what are those fundamentals and some play uh, some coaches will believe those fundamentals are basic shapes basic grips basic path of racket and stuff um so in terms of technical fundamentals what do i look for Physical fundamentals. So can they can they balance? Can they move? So agility, balance, speed, and coordination. They're basics that that I want the player to develop. Racket work in terms of okay, path, angle, and speed. Can they go low to high, side to side, high to low with the path? Can they manipulate the speed or the rhythm? I call it rhythm rather than speed. So can they go from a, a slow to quick rhythm, quick to slow? Can they maintain the same speed, either quick to quick or slow to slow? And then the angle. Can they hit the ball with open, closed, early or late angle? Um, so, so they're the sort of basics that I want the player to do. And they all adapt and change based on the situation. What what I don't sort of teach is a model based of when the ball lands here, this is how and where you hit it. There's multiple ways in which you can achieve the outcome. Um, but in terms of fundamentals it's it's very much okay body work racket work and footwork so footwork again shuffle step crossover back pedal run step they're the fundamentals but i'm not very i'm not very autocratic and explicit in terms of again there's a coach i used to work with and it was a a shuffle into a cross into a run and that's what he taught the players to hit on over beforehand but it might not be that might not even need half of those steps so it's I have the basics of the skill, the movement skill. To me, that's what technique is. Technique is just movement. I have the fundamentals of what I want the player to achieve at a certain time, because obviously it depends on their physical development. Um, but it's more about letting the players work it out. So how do I do it? So for example, one drill I did this week with under eights involves me, me and you being in a cross court situation. So I'm on the the advantage side. You're on the opposite side to me, diagonal. I smash the ball into the corner, into the open space. You've got to go and get it. How you actually get to the ball depends on you. Some of you will just turn and run. Some of you will shuffle and then run. Some of you might cross and then into a run. Um, so I'm just thinking of a way of explaining how I developed that skill. How you get there is up to you. Whether it takes you a shuffle into a run or a cross into a run or you just turn and run, that's up to you. Um, the only thing that I always look at from a coach's point of view is, is it efficient and effective? And if it's not efficient and effective, then I've got to try and manipulate the game. And being honest, it's a bit more difficult because it's a bit more experimentation on my point of view. 
I've got to try and manipulate the practice to get the outcome that we both desire. But I don't want to give you the answers. And I mention this all the time. If I give you the answers, you have an understanding and you have a degree of what you need to do and when you need to do it. But your ability to transfer that information into a pressured situation is limited. So you work it out. My job as a coach is to, to know what basic movement or advanced movement skills you need um, and then manipulate the practice to develop that skill. So again, it, it's a basic misconception that I get hit with a lot. Oh, you're not developing any skill. I am developing a wide range of skills. The difference is I'm developing multiple skills at once, whereas an isolated technique or an isolated drill will only work on one specific uh, technique. I'm trying to combine them together. And last but not least, you mentioned facing doubts from peers and parents about this method. How do you address their concerns and convince them of their effectiveness? Um, so again, that's a good one. And I, and I did touch upon this on the live stream on Tuesday. One, it, it's educating them. It's letting the parents understand that I am developing multiple skills at once. It's letting them understand what skills I'm developing. So I could develop your agility within a closed drill, or I could develop your agility, balance, coordination, and speed in a in a drill that covers everything, but also develop the, the body work, footwork and racket work all at the same time. I think sometimes as coaches, we may just focus on the racket work and then we just, we we decompose it, we take it out. Racket work, we just work on the racket work on its own and then we try and bring in the body work and the footwork and it just doesn't work. It all breaks down because we're not designed like that. We're not that clever. We can't isolate a movement skill, a very complicated dynamic movement skill and then work on it and then put it back in. We're not we're not a machine. So it's it's educating the parents, but also educating them that when when we are working this way, that it is messy, it is chaotic, there's loads of mistakes and it takes time. But what tends to happen in my experience so far is the player starts to get it after a couple of weeks and the parent then starts to see the progress. And I think I've mentioned this story a few times before, but there's a player who previous coach is very explicit, very technical. Player comes to me to start, sorry, the player starts to work with me. Parent comes up after a couple of weeks saying, great, but can you start teaching them tennis? We're, we're paying you to teach them tennis and we're just seeing them play games. And I have to explain the method to my madness and what I'm doing and what I'm trying to achieve and how it's relevant to tennis and how tennis is open and dynamic and chaos and full of problems and the player has to find the solution and the solution is generally a movement-based solution in terms of the bodywork, footwork or racket work and it's 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 almost hiding the teaching and the parent sort of gets it and then they go away but then they start to see the progress after after a few weeks and they start to see that the player is enjoying it, the player is having fun with it but, but more importantly that they're, they're improving and that's what parents want. Parents want to see progress. Um, but I think it's important that we give them the reality. And I mentioned this again on the live stream. Please do catch up. That was a good live stream on Tuesday about the challenges of this approach. But we have to understand that this is a long-term process. Like this isn't just take a pill and then all of a sudden you can do it. And society, especially as I record this in 2023, society want things straight away. We want Amazon Prime today. We don't want it tomorrow. Yeah, we want it today. We want answers quick. We don't want to spend six months in the gym losing weight. We want to take a pill and just sit at home and lose it. We want to get better at tennis by having a tennis lesson. We don't want to get better at tennis over four or five years. So it's it's a bit of education. And 
honesty as well. I think sometimes as coaches, we're not honest enough with, with parents. We're not honest and say, listen, this is this is this is gonna take time. It's gonna take a long time for us to even get anywhere near. And guess what? We're never gonna master it. There's a reason why the top players still have coaches. There's a reason why the top players put hours of practice in each week. Because it's a game where you're never happy. It's a game where you're constantly chasing perfection and you never get there. Federer would have retired and he's going to have some regrets in terms of stuff that he might have still achieved, which is just crazy. Is it that's the type of game it is? It's it's a game where you're never happy and you're always pushing on for something better. There we go. It's a little bit different today. Hope you enjoyed the QA. Thanks to everyone who sent those questions in. Um, it was a bit of a mixed match of different questions. I sort of brought some in together as well, but a little bit different. If you do have any questions, please send them over to Steve at mytenniscoaching.com. Follow me on social media at mytenniscoaching on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you'd like to hear more about the constraint-led approach or the ecological dynamics approach, if you want to get access to my premium content, which includes webinars, articles, live workshops, live Q&As, and mentoring, please check out mytenniscoaching.com and check out My Tennis Coaching Guild for all that good stuff. And until next time, I'll see you next week. Thanks so much. And see you soon. Thank you.